Production. Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. Thank you for joining me for the one-year anniversary special edition of Evolution Revolution. I am a metaphysician, clairvoyant, and clairaudient intuitive, a writer, public speaker, PR and marketer, researcher, personal advisor to visionaries, leader, and spiritual teacher. Please explore more on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Thank you for joining the show wherever you may be listening. This hour on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Dr. Amit Goswami, a theoretical nuclear physicist and professor emeritus of the University of Oregon Institute for Theoretical Physics. His father was a Hindu guru in India, and his work, Dr. Goswami, brings knowledge of mystical traditions together with his love for scientific exploration. He is a pioneer of the new paradigm of science called Science Within Consciousness and the author of the highly successful textbook, Quantum Mechanics. His two-volume textbook for non-scientists titled The Physicist's View of Nature traces the decline and rediscovery of the concept of God within science. Goswami has also written eight popular books based on his research on quantum physics and consciousness. In his seminal book, The Self-Aware Universe, he solved the quantum measurement problem, elucidating the famous observer effect while paving the path to a new paradigm of science based on the premise of consciousness. Subsequently, the visionary window, Goswami demonstrated how science and spirituality could be integrated. In Physics of the Soul, he developed a theory of survival after death and reincarnation. His book, Quantum Creativity, is a tour de force instruction on how to engage in both outer and inner creativity. In The Quantum Doctor, Goswami integrates conventional and alternative medicine, Goswami's most recent book, God is Not Dead, will change how readers think and experience the nature of reality, the existence of souls, the power of dreams, the universality of love, and the possibility of ESP and the very mind of God. Goswami became best known as one of the interviewed scientists featured in the 2004 film, What the Bleep Do We Know?, and in the documentary, Dalai Lama Renaissance. He lives in Eugene, Oregon. Welcome, Dr. Goswami. Thank you for joining us on Evolution Revolution for our one-year anniversary episode. Glad to be here, Dalsinia. One basic assumption of your book, God is Not Dead, is that God is tractable via science. Many philosophers may object. How would you respond to their objection? Well, it's quite simple, really. Um, All religions, um, although they have... Uh, many different opinions about many aspects of God, but they do agree about three fundamental aspects. Um, The first one is that uh, aside from material causation, material interactions, there exists in the world a fundamental and different source of causality, fundamental different from material source of causality. So material source of causality is usually called upward causation, because um, materialism is based on the idea that everything is made of matter, elementary particles. Elementary particles make atoms, make molecules, make cells, make the brain, and then uh, brain is the seat of consciousness. Um, In this picture, cause rises upward from the elementary particles to everything else, upward causation. Uh, Whereas in the spiritual traditions, in the religions, um, this uh, extra causation that is proposed is called downward causation. And the agent of downward causation is God. This, this is one thing that all religions agree. The second thing that religions agree is that aside from the material, there are also subtle bodies of experience. Um, these subtle bodies uh, have much consequences to how we live, uh, etc. And uh, the third aspect of religions, uh, which even the materialists pay some attention to, is the importance of values, importance of uh, the great archetypes, uh, truth, beauty, justice, love, good, uh, these archetypes in our lives, how we can manifest these things in our lives. 
that is something that uh, we deeply feel is necessary for our societies as witnessed uh, in the recent economic calamity right now facing the country. So when we say science within consciousness or science of God, what I mean is that a science that encompasses these three aspects, which um, I have shown in my book, all scientifically um, verifiable, and one can make a scientific theory um, about them based on quantum physics, and uh, that gives us consequences that are scientifically verifiable in such a way that it cannot, be, cannot ever be refuted by the materialist metaphysics of conventional science. In this way, I claim that uh, there is now scientific evidence for the existence of God, definitive scientific evidence. And you divide that scientific evidence for God into two categories. How so? Yes, two categories because um, one category, as already have mentioned, are um, never to be refuted um, uh, by materialist scientists. These, these aspects of the new evidence are based on uh, three fundamental aspects of quantum physics. Uh, well, two of them are the easiest to explain, so I'll explain them right away. The third one, I hope we have time for it. But the two will uh, readily uh, appeal to everyone who is listening. One is um, the idea of non-locality, signal-less communication, communication without the exchange of signal. Like right now, um, my listeners and I are communicating through sound signal. But if we could communicate directly, that would be an example of quantum non-locality between us. And this is a quantum effect. Material interactions can never explain signal-less communication or non-locality. So therefore, if we, find, if we find evidence, as we have found evidence for non-locality in the world, it's a direct evidence for uh, God, for the existence of God, for existence of this downward causation that I'm talking about. So um, then there is a second concept of discontinuity. Material interactions are continuous. So if we can find evidence of uh, stuff that we do, stuff that we choose, uh, stuff that we experience, which has discontinuity in it from previous experiences, then we have found evidence, a quantum uh, uh, evidence that can never be simulated by material interactions. In this way, we again have found evidence for something that is non-material, some causality, causal effect that is coming from something that is non-material. So uh, these are the kind of evidence that I call uh, quantum evidence, which are indelible signatures of the device. And then there is a second kind of evidence, which is basically the evidence of the subtle bodies, uh, mind, vital energy body that we feel, and the archetypal body that we intuit. The subtle bodies, which are also non-material, these I call uh, impossible problems require impossible solution. From a material point of view, subtle bodies are impossible because everything is matter. But uh, there are problems in our experience, uh, such as dreams, such as reincarnation, uh, such as um, spontaneous healing, uh, such as mind-caused disease, uh, which can only be explained by uh, entertaining the idea of subtle bodies. So now this is an example of uh, impossible problems requiring an impossible, from materialist point of view, solution, namely the subtle bodies. These are the two kinds of evidences that I give uh, in the book. And there are many, many of them. This is the yes. yes, in terms of the first kind of evidence of God, what is, or I should say, how is love a quantum signature of the divine? <laughs> this is a very, very good question. I was hoping that you will, you will deal with it, and I'm glad to deal with it in the very beginning. Love to... Um, Materialist, materialist science uh, is just a brain phenomena. It's a neurochemistry of the brain. That's where love comes from. But when we entertain the idea of a vital energy body, then uh, love is something uh, more. Love is also something that we feel in our heart. This is the reason that we celebrate heart, for example, in, on Valentine's Day. Uh, heart is recognized in the Eastern tradition as the site of the heart chakra, uh, which is the place where we feel the energies of love, 
vital energies of love or romance. Um, in the new science, we have an explanation for this. The physical body, physical organs, are uh, software representation of more succinct, non-material bodies called the morphogenetic fields. These morphogenetic fields are involved uh, with the form-making, biological form-making. Morpho means form and genesis means creation. So they are the blueprints for creation of form that consciousness uses to make physical organs that can perform biological functions. So in this way, what biological function does the um, uh, heart chakra organs perform? Uh, one of the heart chakra organ is the thymus gland, which has the capacity uh, of distinguishing between me and not me. So if the uh, morphogenetic field that is connected with the thymus gland cooperates with us, uh, cooperates with me and a, a person of the opposite sex that I take fancy, uh, then what happens is that uh, the immune system, uh, mine and hers, will be relaxed. And uh, then we can uh, entertain the idea of romance between us, romantic love between us. And this is, in the new uh, science, the origin of love or the feeling of love. Then in the new science, there is also archetypal love, which is love uh, as an ideal, which is love that uh, in traditions is uh, called agape or compassion, which transcends the person. Um, and uh, so in the new science, we can talk about love in many other ways. I, I just gave you two than uh, the conventional neurophysiological love of uh, molecules in the brain. In this Very way, love is a... So love is a signature of the divine because we are proposing that there are these extra bodies. Without these subtle bodies, we cannot understand love. And if we go into more details, it turns out that the quantum ideas of non-locality is also important in love. Uh, we feel a cosmic connection between the person in love, right? Person with whom we are in love, right? So, uh, so the quantum signatures are also involved. Yes, very empowering. And I think that that was demonstrated very well in the movie that you partaked in in 2004, What the Bleep Do We Know? And they themed that part on the physiological level to the song Addicted to Love. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So that was great. And, you know, I have, I have yeah. to let you know that um, as, a, as a former scientist in, in just biology and psychology, in psychology, my, all of my teachers began showing that film, What the Bleep Do We Know?, and, and also now professors that I'm no longer um, a student from but are now colleagues, they, they also are promoting your movie. So this new paradigm of integrating science and spirituality in recent times and embracing the presence of God and the signatures of God in love is really flourishing and beginning to come into mainstream through the academic realm here in Southern California and throughout the globe. And I, I want to really commend you. I think that's wonderful news. I appreciate it very much. And this is what obviously uh, needs to happen because it is within the evolution of consciousness. We are going Ab in that direction. Absolutely. So what is the value of embracing the revolutionary new perspective that's focused upon the limitless potential of consciousness as the essence of all creation? This is the fundamental question, the question of value. What, do, what is the usefulness of it? Uh, usefulness are many, but I will uh, start uh, mentioning that the uh, conventional approach, the materialist approach, can deal with the conditioned aspects of ourselves. In other words, once we have made uh, software for the uh, stuff that is available to us, in other words, once we have learned them, then the materialist paradigm says, well, we are conditioned machines. Uh, anybody, any, anybody who has learned some things can be regarded as a conditioned machine in the sense of, if he or she is restricted to what was learned. And we all learn in our childhood. Materialists say that we learn from the environment and that's that. 
But in the new science, we entertain the idea that we are truly open to the universe and we learn uh, more than from the physical environment. We, we, we learn by taking quantum leaps into the supramental archetypal domain. We learn directly about love, beauty, justice, truth, and good by taking direct uh, quantum leaps, which is a phrase that we use when one is jumping without going through the intermediate stages. Electrons do that when they jump from one atomic orbit to another. They never go through the intervening space. Similarly, when you discover new meaning or new meaning of a feeling or a new value of an archetype, we go directly into the archetypal domain of reality from the mental domain of reality where we usually reside. And so this, this direct leaps gives us the insights on which we base our learning. Uh, this recognition is the basis of creativity. So uh, one way that this new paradigm of science is telling us that the world is much more than what uh, conditioning can give us is this continuation of creative experience even when we become adult egos. This lacks in the behavioral approach because in the behavioral approach, once you are conditioned, once you have an ego, that's basically it, um, and because there is nothing new under the sun in that approach, therefore you just sort of coast along. But in the new approach, we say that, well, it's just the beginning, because now you have the sophistication of make, uh, to make better and better representation of new meanings and new values, uh, new uh, concepts that you uh, envision, that you, that you discover, and uh, manifest in your life. So, uh, you know, somebody said uh, a Jewish rabbi, <laughs> life begins at 40 because the dog dies and the children uh, go to college uh, can be expanded by saying that life begins at 40 because we also become uh, free for engaging into creative experiences. Yes, that's a very enlightened perspective. <laughs> so how does that spontaneity allow us to create limitlessly in our lives in the moment? The, the, the spontaneity is, of course, the, the basic thing. All, all creative experiences arise spontaneously. Uh, it's a quantum leap without going through intermediate spaces. So it's a discontinuous, instantaneous transition of consciousness. Consciousness, uh, in, the, in the previous a moment was not thinking of this new thought. It was incapable of entertaining this new thought. And then quantum leap, and then, aha, a surprise. A new thought has come that consciousness could not even entertain before. And, and these are the basis of our, those experiences, creative experiences, uh, which then form the basis of our change, of our transformation. So we, we, when we learn to transform accordingly, according to these guided by these creative experiences, life uh, begins to manifest the part of potential that we have not manifested before. In other words, human potential uh, engages much, much more than uh, is clear to the materialist eyes. When you open our eyes to a science within consciousness, we begin to discover um, that our potential is really unlimited. It's just a matter of how far do we want to go, how far can we reach, uh, how much can our imagination be um, free to explore? So in essence, it's, a, it's about alchemy. It is a sort of alchemy. And alchemy is a metaphor for this transformation, as you know. Um, Carl Jung used that metaphor. Of course, it came from medieval scientists of transformation who used the word alchemy and sort of the chemical uh, basis of it as a camouflage for their real transformational work, and this is what Carl Jung pointed out, and I completely agree. And today, although we are not suppressed any uh, as much as the medieval scientists of transformation, but still, within the under the materialist ages, uh, there is a tendency to suppress the kind of thing that you and I are talking about. Fortunately, um, we don't have to really listen to them. There is no real subversion that is possible anymore thanks to the internet. But you'll be surprised. There is an enormous amount of suppression of God talk in academe. God is still a um, word that uh, cannot be mentioned in the quote-unquote civilized society of the academe at least. It's very difficult. 
That is very true, but it, you know, it takes people like yourself and myself and, and many others across the globe to continue to speak about it, to really enlighten and bring into their consciousness as we bring it into ours to a greater degree. It naturally then impacts theirs. Is that true? Yes, it is true. And also, you know, the, the, what you, you mentioned just a while ago, that movies like Quart de Bleep uh, freeze the academic academics a little bit. Because uh, movies, um, books, um, also, but movies much more have the ability of directly showing the relevance of a new concept. And that direct showing of the relevance of a new concept uh, frees the mind to entertain it instead of uh, getting caught up in argumentation. In, uh, you know, logic is deceptive. Often logic uh, cannot free us from what our uh, problems are, what our assumptions are, which is keeping us from exploration. But a movie um, or piece of art um, can uh, release that inner source which knows the truth which when one experiences much more directly. In that sense, uh, what the belief has been a very, very great addition to the new science and to the new paradigm. Are there any hopes for another what the bleep or something of the liking in your lineup? Well, I hope so. Uh, a couple of people are making a um, documentary called The Quantum Activist. Um, uh, Rhys Stewart and uh, his uh, beloved partner, uh, Rene, they're involved in this project. And um, uh, the, the production is called Blue Dot Productions. So they're, they're producing this, uh, this movie under, uh, with complete support from me, uh, The Quantum Activist, where we uh, formulate a new way of living. Uh, it is, it's a documentary, so we don't have as much power as what they believe, that it, but it, um, it, the advantage is that we can present all the ideas of how to live the quantum way uh, much more succinctly. That's exciting. And when can we look forward to that being released? Do you have any time frame on that? Uh, next year. Okay, great. First, so first half, most likely. In the first half of 2009, we will definitely keep our eyes open for the quantum activist. So do you believe that what happens within us creates what happens around us? Yeah, because um, uh, indeed the old phrase that Fred Allen Wolf has coined, I think, we create our own reality, has taken on um, very uh, important meaning in the new science approach. The confusion uh, that arises um, is that, well, um, in our ordinary life, we don't feel much like we are creating reality because many of the things that we want, many of the things that we intend, actually uh, do not manifest. Um, manifestation is difficult. Uh, the new science is making clear why manifestation is difficult. Uh, why it is difficult is that we choose from quantum possibilities the actual events of our experience. This much is true. But we choose not in our ordinary ego, but we choose at a higher state of our consciousness where we are all one. So our intentions has to be brought in synchrony with the will of the one. In the religious traditions, this is called thy will be done. When my will is uh, in synchrony with God's will, then only things manifest in my life that is conducive to the growth of myself and also the world around me. So this once the subtlety is understood, then we can really go into the uh, work of manifestation. Uh, the listeners may have seen a movie called The Secret and have, uh, have heard about uh, the attractor principle. This goes halfway uh, towards what we need to do for manifestation. They emphasize being, just waiting, instead of always be actively searching for what we want to manifest in our lives, which we just wait then maybe what we want to manifest will come to us. In other words, the archetypes that we covet, the uh, beauty, love, justice, and all that, they will come to us instead of us following them. This is very good strategy. In quantum physics, we say that when we wait, then uh, possibilities proliferate, becoming many, many more possibilities to choose from. So this is very, very good strategy for a person who wants to explore the universe creatively. And then the insight. But there is a trick here. The uh, waiting must be associated with also doing and striving. So do and be interchangeable. I call it a do-be-do-be-do-lifestyle. -be -do -be -do -be -do 
like that Frank Sinatra jingle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's very great. So it's very much like love. We don't really plan on saying I love you. We have the quantum experience, as you mentioned in the book, God is Not Dead, that we just experience love. And that may not even be reproducible in, in a future moment. But in that moment of the experience of love, it is spontaneous. And Absolutely. you're saying that with manifestation, that also has that same potential. Same potential and the same process. So if we learn to um, make this creative process active in our life, this is the basic secret of living. If we properly combine our conditioned experiences, which gives us the basis for manifestation, because this gives us the language, the ability to represent. But the idea has to come from the uncharted domain of reality. And that's where we have to engage in dooby dooby doo. If we engage in dooby dooby doo and the ideas come, then it all depends on how much can we manifest, what is our ability, how much can we represent in our lives. So it's a question of how rich is our ego. But you see the complementary nature of the two processes. So we build the ego as we become more and more creative, but we never become fixed. We never become, we never embrace total fixity. We are always exploring. This forever learning, making brain circuits, even in neurophysiologists are now talking about the unlimited capacity of the brain in making new brain circuits. This is the fundamental way that we grow, that we transform, that our lives become more and more flowering. You know, flowers never stop coming. They stop for a while, they hibernate, we wait, and then again we flower. We wait and again we flower like that. So it's as if we're allowing time and space to bring forth our our desired manifestations and that then naturally expands our consciousness? Yes. In, outside of time and space, possibilities are present in unlimited manner. There is nothing that we cannot do. In time and space, the extent to which we, are, we can live the possibilities depends on us. How much of this creative process can we engage in our lives? How much can we represent in our lives? How much can we represent in what is already manifest? So the, the, the exploration, really, the unlimitedness of the exploration uh, is, is just uh, very, very rewarding, and, and it, it creates, it, 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 right now, it's creating enormous amount of body sensation for me because whenever I talk about it, it, it really is just wonderful to think about how the world is so conducive to possibilities and creativity. Absolutely, and we have to be the chosen conduit. <laughs> we have to be the chosen conduit, and we are all chosen conduit, except some of us don't know it. And because we don't know it, we waste a lot of time in, in vain pursuits. Of course, nothing is really vain. Um, they have their usefulness, you know, what Carl Jung calls shadow cleansing. So we have to do a little bit of that, and we occasionally, you know, that take, takes over our life. But we never really lose sight of this creativity within us. And so long as we don't lose sight of that, we are okay. Yes, I couldn't agree with you more, and particularly within my own experience. Creativity is my driving force. <laughs> for okay. all of And for all of life, it's the driving force for all of creation, beginning from the beginning of time, which leads me to the question, is life a miracle? Life is a miracle because um, what a miracle by definition is when God is entering um, the arena and a life indeed could not exist without God's creativity. All creative experiences occur when we jump from the ordinary ego, individual human experience to God consciousness. That higher state of consciousness that I was talking about where we choose, that is what traditionally we say uh, God consciousness. So um, we live God in those momentary moments of creativity. And same thing for the creation of life. Uh, You know, the spiritual traditions say uh, God created life is not wrong. Uh, just because creation is throw out the idea of uh, evolution does not mean that uh, evolution does not um, uh, signify God's existence. Darwin's theory is not totally correct. It's only half of the story. Yes, evolution occurs in in very uh, channelized ways, in a very 
continuous fashion, just as Darwin suggested in uh, most of the epochs of evolution. But unmistakably, there are the fossil gaps where uh, there is science for quantum leaps, discontinuity. In those moments, uh, what produces the fossil gaps? There are signatures of quantum leaps, and, and, and there are the signatures of creativity where we engage, where the species engages God consciousness. So in this way, we now say in the new biology that uh, God's downward causation is very much needed to create life from non-life, and also very much to take evolution of life to higher and higher uh, creatures, higher and higher creatures that manifest godliness better and better and better. Wonderful. So on that note, in epilogue, epilogue B of, of the book, God is Not Dead, What Quantum Physics Tells Us About Our Origins and How We Should Live, you can see that Jesus, Krishna, Buddha, and other enlightened masters have walked upon their earth and will leave their quantum fingerprint available to the human conscious pool. How is yes. this so? Well, uh, because in the new view, we have a theory of uh, a part of us uh, survives the death of the physical. So the idea is that these people who have perfected themselves, who have really learned, quote-unquote, all the archetypes, love, beauty, justice, good, and truth, uh, they are completed beings. And because they are completed beings, they don't come back anymore in incarnated bodies, or they don't have to come back. Sometimes they do by volition. Those are the people that in Hindu tradition we call avatar, avatara. Uh, which are uh, direct, uh, they can be called, uh, if you metaphorize a little bit, uh, direct incarnations of God, the perfection, the perfected being. This is a, another definition of God that religion sometimes gives. And, and, and these people are perfected being because they have manifested all the archetypes properly in their lives. Um, but in between incarnations as avatars, these people are, um, have an existence. I call this existence as quantum monad. Uh, these existences are, are potentially uh, available to all of us. And we do take direct guidance from these uh, quote-unquote spirit guides in our experiences, if you are open to it. Uh, this is the experiences of angels in various people's lives. In Hinduism, these angels are called devas. But many people have experienced this dimension of um, dimensionality. Uh, as we open up to the new science, many more people will have such experiences. And so uh, when we enter a spiritual tradition, uh, it, it's not just something that we are entering because of heredity, because our, our, our families are part of that tradition, uh, not so at all. We are entering a particular teaching path uh, that came from one of these avatars, like Jesus was one, Krishna and Buddha you mentioned, there were others, and uh, similarly others, all religions were founded by these enlightened people. And so we enter a, a lineage uh, where these enlightened people act as our gurus, our spirit guides, and we can really directly experience it. Even people from outside of uh, the religions can experience it if they try hard enough. These spirit guides are available to all of us. I think that is a very important point, and I know within my own experience, I had dreams of Jesus, and that was in, in the early 2000s. I would have dreams of Jesus. Although I was raised Christian, it wasn't Jesus that I had been per, or had perceived through the Christian lens. It was Jesus, this symbolism of love. And then more recently, I had Buddha, and I would see uh, Buddha around me and clairvoyantly, energetically, and I had to go find him, him in a book to find out who his na what his name was and what his, the message was. <laughs> so, so I, I, you know, coming from a very scientific, logical perspective, the universe knows to bring me information without letting my logic filter it. So I got the picture and the experience and then had to find the words, the limit, limited words to bring into that experience. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and you did it because you are open to it. Now, many people miss these things because they are not open to it. If a strange materialist scientist uh, sees a dream of Buddha uh, telling him or her to investigate something, 
they'll just ignore it because they cannot entertain the idea that a spirit guide could talk to them like that. And hopefully with this new paradigm shift that we can begin to open that idea that we all can speak with enlightened masters because we are all one. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Fundamentally that we are all one, that quantum non-locality is available to all of us. The creative discontinuous quantum leaps are available to all of us. If we just open ourselves um, to become the unlimited being that we represent ultimately, Yes, we become somewhat limited because of the necessities of manifestation, true. But we don't have to get lost in those limitedness. We can be open to the unlimitedness instead and create uh, as much representation of the unmanifest as we can in our lives. And then our lives become meaningful, our lives become happy and joyful. Yes, and that is the goal for all of us. Yes, absolutely. what is the scientific evidence for the existence of the soul? Well, the, the existence of the uh, soul has, has many connotations, but I assume that you, you mean the soul that survives the death of the physical body. Yes. The scientific in, uh, evidence comes in, in especially two major class of evidence. One is the near-death experience, where uh, some of the aspects of what... Uh, it is like to be unconscious, which death is. It's a, it's a prolonged period of unconsciousness. The near-death experience gives us very valuable insight about what is the nature of this unconscious. Do we, real, do we really have unconscious processing even when we die? Near-death experience gives us real evidence for this existence of unconscious processing. How is that? It's very interesting because I'll just go, go, go through a little bit of it. Uh, what is near-death experience? People have a cardiac arrest, and then they really die. This is the thing that we have to understand properly. They really die in the, in the medical sense, and then they are revived. But what happens is strange because after they are revived, they talk about experiences they had during this period when they were clinically dead. What does that mean? Where do these experiences come from? Quantum physics explained this by saying at the moment that, the, that life comes back, that they are revived, the ability to convert possibilities into actual events come back to them. In the, when, we, when they died, they died, that only means that their memories died their brain died, the organs uh, were not functioning properly because of the brain death. But the point is that the possibilities continue, including the possibilities that brain can manifest in the future if it is revived. So it is in that possibility, proliferation of possibility, that, that then uh, gives us those experiences in a whole chain, a linear chain of experiences and all near-death survivors talk about a linear chain of experiences uh, which they remember. And, and, and when they are revived, all that causal chain of possibilities all manifest with one experience of manifestation, one experience of choosing to convert a particular line of possibilities into actual events. And, and so the near-death survivor can say that I went to a tunnel, I saw dead relatives, I saw a light being, I encountered a wall which signified that I cannot go any further, I have to come back. Um, you know, I'm just uh, paraphrasing sure. it and making it shorter. Some people have more experiences, some people have less. Uh, some people experience um, what is called autoscopic experiences, uh, seeing their own body being operated on. So there were some individual differences, but, but the basic experience suggests this one thing. We process unconsciously, even when we are dead. We are not finished, in other words. Death is, death is not a finality. This is one type of evidence. The other type of evidence is direct evidence of um, existence of uh, these entities, uh, I call them quantum monads in the domain of possibility after physical death, which then we can channel. There are channelers who can do uh, miraculous things, like uh, some channelers in Brazil, uh, they do healing while they channel uh, entities of doctors who were doctors in their previous incarnations. 
And uh, while they channel, uh, their brain waves increase in frequency beyond belief. Um, uh, their beta waves have frequencies more than 40 hertz, which are possible only for surgeons uh, with high concentration. These people in their ordinary life can, can never manifest beta waves of such high frequency. So it, 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 there is no direct evidence that they become special when they channel. Not only they can perform uh, surgery, which uh, people can debate, uh, but, but they cannot debate the fact that their brain waves change to high frequency, which is a signature of people with high concentration. So this kind of evidence is showing us that, that there really is um, meaningful survival after death. And then there is, of course, the huge data on reincarnation that uh, Dr. Steven, um, uh, Ian Stevenson um, uh, have given us and many other uh, reincarnation researchers have given us. Yes, that is a very important point. And reincarnation, just for simplicity purposes, from a quantum perspective, is? Uh, reincarnation is the idea that these um, patterns of conditioning that we have, uh, patterns that we live in our life, patterns of feelings, patterns of meanings uh, that we feel and think, these patterns uh, do not die with, our, with the death of our physical body. These bodies that, are, that we call subtle, they are not subject to the entropy law, which demands that uh, order dissolves into disorder. So this, uh, these bodies in domain of possibility, uh, with their conditionings, they survive the death of the physical body. And then if these conditionings, these patterns, behavior patterns are used by a future baby uh, in the, um, born in, in some place, uh, then that, that baby can be called a reincarnation of the person that uh, created that pattern in, in, the, in the life right here and now. So in that way, reincarnation is a continuity. This person that is born now may be a reincarnation of somebody that lived before, and likewise this person who will create new experiences and new patterns may, be, uh, may, may give his or her patterns to somebody else in the future. In this way, whole line of incarnations is the way that we progress in uh, the world. Yes, and the new paradigm definitely supports that natural process of reincarnation. So that's yes. very exciting. Yes, it is, it is given in much more details in my book called Physics of the Soul. I, I have, I have uh, dedicated one chapter, of course, in God is Not Dead also, so you can get a glimpse of it from God is Not Dead. But if you want to really understand um, reincarnation and survival after death, I strongly recommend the book Physics of the Soul. Okay, great. We're speaking with Dr. Amiko Swami. You can find him on the web at www.amitgoswami.org. Again, that's www.amitgoswami.org. He's the author of his latest book, God is Not Dead, What Quantum Physics Tells Us About Our Origins and How We Should Live. So, Speaking of near-death experiences and reincarnation, then how do dreams support the existence of God? Dreams are a very in interesting based on that because, um, you know, the, we, we don't think that dreams, dreams are causally important to us because, uh, you know, we suspect that there is no continuity. Uh, here I am dreaming of my mother, and in the next dream I may be uh, dreaming of myself being in um, Eskimo land. Uh, so there doesn't seem to have any causal connection between dreaming my mother and dreaming being with Eskimos. But, but isn't there? This is the question. Uh, what we discover when we analyze dreams, that they're talking about our lives in a different domain of experience, not in the way that physical experience is um, uh, manifested around our senses, around our physical experience of the physical world, not in that way. Instead, here the focus is the meaning world itself, the feeling world itself, uh, the archetypal world itself. So we have to progress through seeing that it's not only the physical world that is being revealed in the dreams, but much more than that, feeling, meaning, and archetype. So in this way, if we, if we start looking at our dreams properly, we'll find that some dreams 
are feeling dreams. You know, those are things that we experience as nightmares. What you usually call a nightmare is an intense feeling that arises in that dream. And people who have nightmares has continuity in the progression of that feeling. That is what makes the nightmare experience so unbearable because it, it happens regularly. So from a feeling dimension, feeling point of view, you have continuity. Nightmares uh, exist for a while until that feeling, that blocked up feeling is resolved. When it dissolves, nightmare disappear by itself. If you don't resolve it, people have been known to suffer from nightmare for ages. So in this way, there is continuity. In the meaning level, the continuity is the easiest to um, verify. Uh, instead of looking for physical continuity, what you do is uh, you analyze each of the characters, they're you. Each character in the dream is you. What is your meaning for that character? For example, your mother is not your mother, but what you identify as your mother is that aspect of you, the mother aspect, your mother aspect in you. If you, ex if you analyze every character in the dream, even things in the dream in this way, what is that particular dream object mean to you? Then you can see that that dreams also have continuity in the meaning dimension. You have to look at the meaning rather than the physical appearances of things. And then there are even big dreams where the you know, focus is on the archetypes. This is what uh, Jung called big dreams. They are about more fundamental aspects of ourselves, and if we pay attention to them, we can really explore creativity in a new way. So in this way, Dreams are signatures of the divine because you cannot find this kind of explanation of dreams and you cannot explore dreams within the material domain at all. So materialists undermine, undermine dream constantly. They constantly point out uh, that dreams could not possibly be meaningful because you have no explanation of anything meaningful in dreams. But here is the catch. In materialism, meaning itself doesn't exist. Um, it is now uh, definitely established in science as a scientific fact that computers cannot even process meaning. So if computers cannot process meaning, what does that mean? That means that material interactions are unable to capture meaning of things. Material interactions can only process symbols, not meaning. Meaning of the symbols has to be constructed by us with consciousness. So um, if we understand things this way, then uh, it is clear that uh, anytime we are exploring dreams, and if dreams can guide our lives, that means that we have subtle bodies, feeling, meaning, and archetypal dimensions, and also that we process things with consciousness. Therefore, consciousness is a potent reality in our lives. It has causal potency. And in this way, then, dreams become signatures of the divine. That is so beautifully put. Thank you so much for such a wonderful explanation. Thank you. It, yes, absolutely. I think that we all have some natural intrigue with our dreams, and we want to create an understanding using our logic, but what I'm hearing you saying is that if we take the symbolisms of the feeling, the meaning, and the archetypes, we can find a greater understanding of the truth of who we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And some cultures are adjusted to it. You know, people have been very impressed with the Australian Aborigines uh, culture, for example, uh, where uh, from outside they may look uh, to be very undeveloped. But if you look at their spirituality, you find that, oh, but these people have such capacity to love. What is happening here? Well, it is because they stay in the meaning level much more closely because they live for their dream life. Uh, they uh, regularly engage in what they call dream time. And in that, they go into dream space together and uh, engage into the meaning component of their life much deeper than we who are attached to the physical world too much can do. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, good. Would we then be, in, on that note then, is that something that we might try to define as meditation or would that be a different state of consciousness than dreams? Meditation is, again, another uh, state of consciousness because what we do in meditation is um, uh, to engage in more in the intuitive dimension. We quiet the mind so that the intuitive dimension, the archetypal dimension, is more open to us. So um, although archetypal dimension is accessible in dreams, 
but it is um, uh, more uh, naturally accessible to us also in the waking consciousness. And so, but, but not in the ordinary waking consciousness, which ego dominates. So meditation slows us down, and in the slowing down process, it creates gap between thoughts. Uh, it creates that period of waking, which is essential for the uh, possibilities to proliferate. And then we can choose the new insight. And every time we are choosing a new insight, we are jumping, quantum leaping into the archetypal domain. So meditation is, uh, is very good practice for uh, teaching us how to access the archetypal dimension, how to make quantum leaps. Because this waiting, you know, this being, I mentioned do we, do we, do before, but being is not easy. It does not come easily to people. It's one thing to say that, well, I'm waiting, but actually what is my mind doing? It's very busy processing, isn't it? So meditation teaches us how to slow down that thinking mind, that go, go, go mind. It's not just go, go, go in the outer world. Some people do that, but all of us engage in tremendous do, do, do in our mind. That also has to stop before we become situated in being. So dooby dooby do is more than uh, what meets the eye initially. One has to really combine that meditative consciousness in our lives before one gets situated in a proper dooby dooby do that will produce creative insight. And then this paradigm then can help us to live more optimally? Absolutely. Because once you are situated in that do-be-do-do-be-do-be-do lifestyle, then there is no limit to how much you can explore. Then it only depends on, uh, you know, as, as we said in the movie, uh, how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go. And uh, if you want to go unlimited, uh, good luck to you. It's, it's wonderful um, to live, you know, I call, I call such explorers quantum activists. And it's wonderful to be a quantum activist, to allow the principles of quantum physics, non-locality and discontinuity, to transform ourselves and our society and culture. We are speaking with author and professor, Dr. Amit Goswami. You can find him on the web at www.amitgoswami.org. He's the author of his latest book, God is Not Dead, What Quantum Physics Tells Us About Our Origins and How We Should Live. So, Dr. Goswami, why is it time to rethink our perceptions of reality and existence? Well, um, the first reason I give, um, Dalsenia, is, is the, the just look, at, look around, look at the world. Uh, the world is full of problems, full of challenges. Now, we can get disheartened by the problems, for example, the current economic crisis. But we can also say that, okay, so this crisis was caused by our over-dependence on the materialist paradigm. You know, ultimately, when, when you take all the chap away, the, the real kernel of truth is the following. We have lost our values in the last 50 years or so. We have lost our path, which is really a spiritual path to manifest values in our lives. We have lost that. In this culture, we believe we have become so much believer in materialism. Or if we believe in God, we have become stuck with fundamentalism in religion, not with the idea of exploration that you and I are talking about in this hour, but in a, in a very fixed way. And, and wherever there is fixity, God is missing. God is the creative agency within us. So this understood, both the materialists, the scientists, and the religionists, they're missing the boat. They're not creative anymore. And it is the lack of creativity that is causing these problems. When we lack creativity, we succumb to negative emotions of greed, of anger, of lust, of uh, the problem stuff in our lives. This is what we're witnessing all around us. Global warming, terrorism, uh, failure of capitalism, all these are symptoms of that one thing. We have lost our path. We have lost our alignment with godliness. So how do we bring it back? We can bring it back only by recognizing the true metaphysical nature of our being. And once we recognize, we discover the creative process again. And third, we engage with the creative process. And once we do that, there is, again, no limit except what we impose upon ourselves. And my hope is that since one of the presidential candidates this time is talking about meaning, 
Um, and if this presidential candidate uh, eventually does win the presidency, that the country will take a leap towards meaning processing once more, towards processing values once more, and will have taken uh, a very necessary step towards correcting our wrongness in terms of uh, this worldview and how we align ourselves with, with the movement of consciousness. Well, I would like to thank you for being a pioneer of this revolutionary new perspective in science. I know individuals like myself have your, your leadership and mentorship has been invaluable to giving us permission as a generation to embrace the new ideas. So I want to thank you on behalf of all of the individuals who really readily receive you and who are feeling very validated and understood by what you present. Thank you so much. Thank you kindly. We're speaking with Dr. Amit Goswami. You can find him on the web at www.amitgoswami.org. He has a great website including events. All of his books are available. Some media video clips including the Dalai Lama Renaissance and What the Bleep Do We Know. Also some papers, his biography, and his contact information. You can meet up with Dr. Goswami at some coming up event in Toronto, actually just this weekend, October 24th through the 26th, and in Chicago, the 31st through October 31st through November 3rd with the Dharma Association. And for further events, please check in with his website at www.amitgoswami.org. You are the creator of your experience. Invoke the highest experience for yourself and begin to transform your inner world and global consciousness by aligning yourself with the quantum levels of life and love. Our true eternal nature is comprised of multidimensional consciousness which holds infinite possibilities for all human beings to experience love and all wonderful things on earth. The eternal aspects of infinity are abundantly pouring forth upon you each and every moment through unconditional love, compassion, peace, truth, joy, kindness, awe, miracles, abundance, validation, understanding, and harmony. Honor the eternal aspects of who you are today. Next week on October 30th, Barbara Han Clow will offer a look into the higher realms with her multidimensional expertise and revolutionary concepts from her book release, Alchemy of Nine Dimensions, Decoding the Vertical Axes, Crop Circles, and the Mayan Calendar and from her vast array of its teachings, also to include her book, The Mayan Code. On November 6th, Chrissy Blaze will appear to discuss her latest astrological book release, Baby Star Signs, who portrays the new children of today as quote-unquote old souls, who have come here during the crossroads to shift humanity to enlightenment during its evolutionary development. On November 13th, Barbara Marks Hubbard, a leading pioneer of conscious evolution, will be appearing with her expansive consciousness and meaningful book release, Conscious Evolution, Awakening the Power of Our Social Potential, and her more recent release, Emergence. On November 20th, Neil Donald Walsh will make an appearance with his two latest book releases, Conversations with God and Uncommon Dialogue, Embracing the Love of the Universe, and Conversations with God and Uncommon Dialogue, Living in the World with Honesty, Courage, and Love. More of the divine wisdom from a dedicated spiritual master. On December 4th, please join me with Albert Clayton Golden and his authentic perspective in his re-release by Simon & Schuster of his book, You're Not Who You Think You Are, A Breakthrough Guide to Discovering the Authentic You. Albert will bring a new lens to authenticity and expand your horizons. Please join us. On December 11th, Chrissy Blaze will be reappearing with her latest astrological book release, Superstar Signs, Sun Signs of Celebrities, Heroes, and You. Join us as we delve into the astrological realms and discover our true nature. On December 18th, Jerry Wenstrom will appear with his passionate warrior story of transformation during his personal spiritual journey in his long-lived book, The Inspired Heart, An Artist's Journey of Transformation. On January 1st, Richard Lawrence will appear on Evolution Revolution with a two-hour New Year special. During the first hour, Richard will guide you to unlock your psychic powers with his latest book release, and during the second hour, Richard will unveil the mysterious truth about UFOs. Richard and I truly look forward to you joining us for a most special New Year's 2009 broadcast of Evolution Revolution. There are many more authors scheduled for the 2009 lineup to include Bob Gebeline, Egan Sanders, Dr. Daniel Condren, 
Karen Anderson, Dr. Eric Pearl, and Carol Obley. Please be sure to explore them on the website under upcoming shows at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. You can purchase all of the author's books featured on Evolution Revolution at www.amazon.com or link up to their individual websites through the Evolution Revolution homepage at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Please join me in the upcoming weeks on the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution. Also, please explore the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found on Evolution Revolution homepage or on iTunes under podcasts for any time listening. The amazing and talent includes Robert Bruce, Carol Obley, Michael Tamora, Alan Arcieri, Chrissy and Gary Blaze, Dr. Susan Carroll, Gary Zukov and Linda Francis, Neil Donald Walsh, Dr. Barbara Condren, Michael Brown, and more. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. I am a metaphysical teacher, healer, and spiritual counselor who offers clairvoyant readings via phone, allowing me to connect with people anywhere. You can find out more information under the clairvoyant reading tab on my website, which includes client testimonials and my contact information. A divine and spiritually enlightening experience awaits you. Also, please explore more on my blog at www.evolutionrevolutionwithsalsanea.com for weekly guest postings and updated announcements for Evolution Revolution. Co-create with Evolution Revolution. We are seeking partners to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you are interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution, please explore more on the Radio Sponsors tab on the website. I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the grandest intentions. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution on the celebration of our one-year anniversary with my honored guest, Dr. Amit Goswami. Thank you, Dr. Goswami. We appreciate your time and, and wise insight. Thank you, Lucinia, for this opportunity to present my views and Thank you, listeners. Wonderful. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish you all abundant peace, joy, miracles, and love today and always. Abundant angel blessings. Have a wonderful day. Wonderful.